The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. Thanks for tuning in. Things are heating up on the racing scene. As you know, as spring comes, the weather changes, and that always gives the chance. For Derby Fever. Today, we are not going to look at one, not two, not three, but four races that could impact this year's Run for the Roses. And handicapping with me will be one Lenny Shulman, a very much of a Renaissance man, as we go a little bit into uh, some of his uh, positions in the past, uh, shall I say. Uh, Lenny, a uh, very engaging. Uh, you probably see him talking horses with uh, Steve. Haskins on, on the Blood Horse. Uh, those guys put together a very a great and, I shall say, entertaining show. So Lenny will be breaking down uh, a series of the races that uh, could have an impact on this year's Derby. And then uh, a, a horse that uh, may have a huge impact on this year's Derby is a horse by the name of Hanson. And we're going to have a chance to talk to Dr. Kendall Hanson, uh, who not only races but bred Hanson, uh, named after his family, and uh, Dr. Hanson, a very engaging individual. Uh, he's he's upbeat. Uh, he enters uh, the uh, field of racing with a breath of fresh air and some new ideas to to bring young people to the track. Some of people are scratching their head about some of the ways he wants to go about it, uh, but I think uh, it's all pretty much a positive. And uh, the interviews I've heard with him. Uh, are all all very upbeat. He's a big supporter of the sport, and we're going to have a good time. Uh, he'll be he'll be coming up in our second segment here. Uh, obviously, all eyes in the racing world were on his namesake in the Gotham, the Grade Three at Aqueduct, a mile and a sixteenth. A lot of people were knocking Hanson after the Holy Bull. They were saying, "Hey, he was a two-year-old fluke. He had a lot of speed back then. Maybe he hasn't grown enough." Uh, of course, in the Holy Bull, if you really watched the race carefully, you saw that the horse uh, stumbled at the start. The adrenaline kicked in, got rushed up a, a little bit, uh, ran a, a forty-five and three half, and, and, and faded in the lane. Uh, did hold on for the second spot, uh, but. We're going to find out in the interview with uh, Dr. Hansen what a great job of training Michael Maker had done since the Holy Bull. Well, coming into the Gotham, he draws the 12 hole, doesn't break exceedingly well, and uh, decides to just kind of uh, watch the race and kind of t- take a look at the other horses from the outside. He was uh, he was fan wide on the clubhouse turn, four wide, 
and then uh, started to relax. Now, you got to remember, you know, Hanson is, is a horse that uh, basically had never been headed in his career until algorithms went by him in the Holy Bull. Well, relax he did, and very well for Ramon Dominguez, and uh, he stayed, you know, right behind uh, the, the pace setter, King and Crusader, who was a long shot in there, and then uh, made his move uh, around the turn, drew clear, and ended up winning by three lengths. Uh, so the uh, the story of the week, without a doubt, uh, was the comeback of Hanson. All of a sudden, he was, uh, you know, receiving the respect of a lot of detractors who thought he might have been a flash in the pan. That certainly not the case. Uh, again, we'll talk to Dr. Hanson about not one, not two, not three, but four changes that Mike Maker gave Hanson going in to the Grade Three Gotham. Certainly has. Plenty of money to get into this year's Kentucky Derby. Well, a lot of people were watching that race, and a lot of people were at the track. Attendance, on-track handle, all sources handle, showed increases on Gotham Day uh, at Aqueduct. Uh, but uh, you not only had the Grade Three Gotham, but you had uh, it's tricky in the, in the top flight, which was uh, quite a, a comeback race uh, in its in its own right. Um, uh, leading up to the top flight, uh, Karen McLaughlin said he didn't know if it's tricky could uh, duplicate her sensational three-year-old season when, as you recall, she won two grade one races in New York and finished second behind champion Royal Delta. Uh, she was sent away the one-to-four favorite uh, in the top flight and didn't disappoint her backers. Certainly, they're calling her a very special filly, and uh, they're going to wonder where she's going to go now. Uh, she, of course, at those odds, only paid two seventy. Uh, for a $2 win ticket. Uh, they're probably going to stay in New York, but they're also uh, looking at the Rampart at Gulfstream Park uh, or possibly the Apple Blossom at Oaklawn Park, and there's the uh, La Troyenne at Churchill Downs. But it, it's tricky, looking awful good, and Ramon Dominguez, what a season he has had. He's just been on some sensational horses, and uh, quite frankly, we're trying to line him up to be a guest on Winning Ponies for next week. That'll be quite an honor. Of course, we announced last week that uh, the champion rider won the George Wolf Award last week. Talk about horses for courses. Uh, Caleb Brachoa, if I'm saying that name right, has been unbeatable on the Aqueduct Inner Track, and the former claimer took over from the pace setters in the stretch and held off a late run from Caleb's posse, who may have been one of the most outstanding three-year-olds last year. Uh, at Aqueduct, but uh, Calibrachoa just absolutely owns that that inner track there and uh, got the job done. Uh, he paid nine forty, three eighty, and two forty. Uh, on the comeback effort, Donnie Von Hemmel, who trains uh, Caleb's posse, was not disappointed. He said he ran a good race. He just ran out of ground. Big effort, and he was happy with it. So it's great to see so many of last year's uh, stars still in training. Well. It seems almost uh, every week I've got to make an announcement similar to this. Another derby horse is going to be on the shelf for a while. Winner of the Sham Stakes, Out of Bounds, is going to miss the classic races after coming out of a workout with an ankle fracture that's going to require some surgery. Uh, Owen Hardy, obviously uh, very disappointed. He does believe, though, that the horse will come back at 100% with no problems uh, as long as everything uh, goes that well with the surgery. Uh, of course, it was a Darley homebred, was hoping to start in the San Felipe, a race we're going to take a look at today in a race that is extremely wide open. Uh, you're, we'll 
break that down with Lenny later in the show. Um, it's just too bad that Out of Bounds uh, won't be there. You know, he was uh, didn't win his debut, but came back, broke his maiden, back-to-back victories. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> at Hollywood, he had a victory over Secret Circle in the Sham, and he really looked like he was going to be some kind of derby horse. Speaking of top horses, of course, we uh, continue to follow the travels of Arve de Grasse. Uh, she and her stablemate, Joyful Victory, they're going to do- dodge each other, but they had uh, just a sensational workouts. Remember, they're both going to race on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, uh, they're working down at the fairgrounds. They kind of uh, broke off, I believe, uh, that uh, – Joyful victory broke off in front. Larry Jones was watching aboard his pony, and they put in very, very nice works. A joyful victory covered the five furlongs in 58 and 2. And uh, Arbe de Grasse, last year's horse of the year, uh, went out an additional distance, getting six furlongs and 111. So we're going we're to be looking for last year's champion in the New Orleans Ladies. Uh, that will be, again, on St. Patrick's Day. She's going to stay in New Orleans, but word is after that she may well go out to Oaklawn, a track she really liked. And then Joyful Victory is going to head out to, to uh, New Orleans uh, on St. Patrick's Day uh, to run in the Grade 3 Azari Stakes. So uh, so good, again, to see so many of last year's top horses uh, coming back to the races. Well, let's. Uh, we had last week uh, our, our good friend and a former host of Winning Ponies, uh, Ed Meyer, was uh, was on the show. Instead, Eddie did a very good job of handicapping. Of course, uh, both Ed and I have uh, witnessed Hanson run in person on several occasions, and pretty much said that. Uh, you know, despite his post and everything, that uh, he's probably the one to beat in there, and obviously uh, he was. Um, I kind of like the horse uh, My Adonis, and My Adonis uh, ended up running in the second spot there. Uh, he kind of just ran right behind Hanson. It, it seemed like Elvis Trujillo just wanted to kind of track Hanson and see if he was going to come up short. Of course, he didn't. Uh, he ended up holding on for a second, but it was Hanson uh, by three lengths, and then My Adonis... Uh, by six over long shot Finnegan's Wake, a Dale Romans trainee. So all those horses picking up some graded earnings. Again, it's only the, the graded earnings that count for you to be able to get into the gate on the first Saturday in May. Uh, Ed and I then we went out to, uh, to Santa Anita and we, uh, took a look at the Santa Anita handicap and both of us concurring that uh, when Bill Mott shows up out in California shipping from the east, you better watch him. Well, people didn't watch him too much. Ron the Greek rallied from 10th, 9th, 6th, 6th, got the win by 3.5, paid $9.20 over Setsuko and uh-oh, Bango. And as I recall, Ed liked Setsuko underneath, and that would have brought you home a 1990 exacta from tuning in to Winning Ponies. Uh, also out at Santa Anita, we uh, looked at the uh, Las Virgenes, a uh, race that could have implications to the Kentucky Oaks. We both liked a, a horse that had just broke its maiden out of the Baffert barn, Eden's Moon, over the experienced horses, Charm the Maker, Will It Be Awesome, uh, Killer Graces. It looks like Baffert's got another one. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, the the Actual favorite was Rennie's Got Zip. Those two were on even turns turning for home. 
but it was Eden's Moon besting Rennie's got zip. It looks like both the Derby and the Oaks are going to be extremely exciting races uh, this year. Uh, we stuck around at, at Santa Anita to, uh, for, for the Frank E. Kilrow, and this was a race that uh, we saw Mr. Commons, who last year was a three-year-old that they realized was better at shorter distances, took him off the Derby Trail, a John Sheriff's trainee that rates great. Well, Mr. Commons looked awful good just about 40 yards from the finish, but coming from behind... And a former claimer, this horse was running in $25,000 claimers. Doug O'Neill dug down and claimed this horse. Uh, and then since then, uh, reeled off three consecutive wins, decided it was time to put him in stakes races, uh, ran a game second behind Mr. Commons in the Arcadia. So it was time to turn the tables, and Joel Rosario did. Willie Conker laid behind the speed, made one big run, and turned the tables on Mr. Commons, who did run second. It was number four, Campari, running third. So that's a look at the races that we handicapped last week. We had a, a pretty good uh, time here on Winning Ponies, and then came away with a, with a few good winners. I didn't all pay a whole lot, but uh, nonetheless, a win's a win. If you saw 1940 on the floor, I think you'd bend over to pick it up. So... Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be a, a very exciting show. Uh, we have uh, uh, Kendall Hansen with, with us next, and, and we've got uh, Lenny Shulman uh, to break down the races, and we're going to get an inside look at the life and times of Dr. Kendall Hansen and his famous horse, the Great White Hope, coming up next on Winning Ponies. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right. Well, you know, we've been really blessed with some outstanding guests here on uh, Winning Winning Ponies this year. I wasn't sure if I was able to reel this one in, but uh, uh, through my good friend uh, Jenny Reese, uh, I got his phone number and I ventured out and, and made the call. I've been kind of, you know, following him over the years, and, and now he, he's living the life. Uh, with me is, is uh, Dr. Kendall Hansen. Now, with WinningPonies.com, the, most of the people that tune in here are handicappers, and uh, Dr. Hansen, that was kind of the hook that got you into the game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually the the first track I visited was uh, River Downs, where, you, where you've been uh, quite quite often. And uh, yeah, a long time ago, about thirty years ago, uh, drove up from Indianapolis and placed some bets at River Downs, and that kind of got me hooked. Now, uh, when you started out handicapping, what kind of style did you use? Were you a trip handicapper? Did you like to watch them in the paddock? Did you do speed numbers? I'm kind of interested because I know you've turned out to be a pretty sharp capper yourself. Well, the uh, my teacher who uh, I met on breaks at a Ford factory in Indianapolis, he would he liked the patterns like long layoff patterns, change of distance patterns, and so forth. And uh, this was before uh, the buyer numbers, uh, and uh, then I learned how to. Uh, come up with my own formula to judge the speed of uh, a race, track to track, distance to distance, and, you know, try to mix all the num, get the numbers to match. And, uh, and then you, he'd teach me rules like uh, uh, don't bet a race unless the uh, odds are at least two to one. That way you only have to win one out of every three races to break even. And, and I had a betting pool of, I think, $2,000, and he said just bet 140th at a time. That way you'd have to... Uh, you know, $50 a race, you have to lose 40 races in a row to go broke, and if you lose your betting pool, then you're done. Just get out. So, Now, did you use that money to help put yourself through medical school? Um, yeah, it wasn't the intention, because I was just seeing if it could be done, because everybody said you couldn't, you couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I think uh, I was able to sit and watch races and just wait till I thought, you know, the, you know if you get a, think your horse is 50-50 chance of winning and you get 5-1, to one, uh, that's kind of races I'd look for, but uh, yeah, I was doing so well at. I think I won maybe four out of every five nights. Uh, had steak, treated myself to steak when I'd uh, win, and paid cash for a little sports car, and then I was able to uh, put some money aside and you know maybe paid for half of my first year of medical school. Now, your first step into racing, I've seen you around, you know, you're from northern Kentucky, Uh, you're mostly mostly kind of dabbling in the claiming game. Uh, What was it like for you when you first got in it? Oh, well, this was a transition. I I really enjoyed, I spent 12, 14 hours a day just immersed in the racing form and then watching the races, but uh, it was when I I made a big score, I actually uh, saw... Uh, some people misplacing a horse and running it over its over its head, and when I finally realized they were going to let the horse run, <clears throat> I bet a lot bigger. I broke all my rules and bet a lot on it, and uh, the horse won. And I was so excited. I was down the winner's circle, high five, and then handed out hundred dollar bills. And they decided <laughs> they'd take me out to dinner since I was handing out money. And uh, uh, that's when I uh, got introduced to the thoroughbred up close, and it was just all over after that. It was just like a romantic. Uh, relationship with horses after that well now it's one thing to be an owner and it's one thing to be in the claiming game but now you luckily have forayed into the world of breeding what brought you to uh to get uh stormy sunday the dam of hansen and why the selection congratulations of Tappet? yeah well first of all i'm over my head here i'm just uh i just 
you know, when you bypass uh, allowance horses and stakes races and just jump into the graded stakes, it's a little, it's crazy to say the least. Um, but I tried, to, I had a mare uh, 10 years ago I liked to, and I tried to breed her and uh, uh, got a call on Christmas Eve that she hurt herself running into a fence and that, and that was the end of my breeding career for about 10 years. But when Stormy Sunday came along, she was just, <clears throat> I'd never had this uh, feeling about a horse as far as uh, um, her attitude and, and just, you know, I'm not an expert on confirmation, but she was just gorgeous and just, just built like what I thought a racehorse should look like. And, and she just, if she didn't have a bad ankle, she'd have been a graded stakes winner. I just know it. Uh, <clears throat> And she did went three out of four, and uh, we were close to getting her to black type, but but uh, our ankle was uh, we didn't want to push it, so retired her, and I just didn't want to give her away, so I had to breed her and uh, start playing around with the research and computer programs, and I mean I had my favorites from a handicapper. Uh, I mean I think a lot of handicappers have their favorite breeding when they're uh, working on maiden races, and uh, Stormcat was always a favorite, and she was. Uh, uh, Sir Cat out of Storm Cat, and I just tried to figure out who was going to match up best, and it turned out to be Tappet. Well, the and then what you I got turned out to be established value. So I had to pick then. a first or second year stallion that I could. That wasn't uh, uh, wasn't expensive at the time. Well, um, now, um, very interesting. I, I, I was listening last night. Let me let me move forward, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I was talking with Dr. Kendall Hansen, uh, the uh, owner and breeder. Uh, of last year's two-year-old champion and one of the favorites for this year's Kentucky Derby. Uh, the, the horse was such a buzz uh, right after its maiden. Uh, got an 89 buyer going five and a half, one by 12 and a half, came right back in, in the Kentucky Cup Juvenile uh, to, to win by 13 and a quarter. And then, of course, uh, we all... Well, the, we believers all got rich on Breeders' Cup Day when this horse, yeah. they dismissed it at 7-1. to one. Were, were you believing in its odds, or were you believing that you, you had the horse to beat? Well, I, you, know, you know, coming from Turfway, you know, we weren't going to get enough respect. I've, I've cashed tickets on my horses jumping from Turfway to Churchill. I kind of like it back because they give us that extra money. But, uh, but uh, Mike had told me a couple days before the race that he felt, 90% we were going to win this race, and I just thought he was off his rocker. But Mike, Mike knew, uh, you know, and he's with him on a daily basis. Uh, <clears throat> I thought it might be a 1-in-3 or 50-50 chance, and when you're getting 70 or 7-to-1 for a 50-50 toss of the coin, I mean, you know, I, I did, strange situation was, it was the best betting situation I'd seen ever, and everybody's telling me, and I was silly to, to bet any money because of the purse money I was going to win. So that was really strange for a handicapper <laughs> to not have to bet, or, or that was the tough part. And, but I was lucky enough that uh, I played some pick fours, which really came in big for me, and uh, I just did that. I was showing somebody how to bet on the computer and took all with Hanson with all with all and played it six times, and that was wacky. It was like 90000 I think 560000 and after taxes, 420000 and it just... It was because I was too lazy to handicap all the races. <laughs> <laughs> you are living the dream, Kendall. Now um, I'm I'm going to fast forward to to, to the to the Holy Bull, uh, a, a race where you you were odds on. We saw what happened. The, the stumble at the gate. What you know what so often happens is horses immediately try to make up for that, and the adrenaline pumps, and they move a little too fast, and so obviously. 
you read about it, I'm sure. You heard about the naysayers. Um, you know, you, you give so much respect to Mike Maker. Would you tell our audience that Mike came up with four ideas to change before you're winning the Gotham? Yeah, um, I just have to say that that was a tough month because, uh, I mean, I knew we were a little bit vulnerable going in the race, obviously, because um, we wanted to bring him on slowly this year and, and peak in May. And uh, and I I met uh, the owners of Algorithms, uh, Starlight Racing, and and they were very uh, upfront in saying that they were very confident in Algorithms and was looking look they were actually looking forward to racing us. And I scratched my head on that. I'm like, wow, they must really like their horse. So I was totally surprised. But but uh, you know we it was probably a blessing uh, that we got beat because we wouldn't have uh, probably arrived at all these changes in. Uh, taking the, the blinkers off, uh, you know, we'd, we'd be concerned about him in the starting gate because he, he jumps around and looks around so much, and and I, I think he's just curious to see what's going on behind him. So that was the main reason the blinkers came off, and I'm kind of glad he looks. He's still such a beautiful horse. He looks a lot better without him. It was fun to see he that does. last race, and and then the uh, the bit was kind of too kind, uh, the staffle bit. Uh, uh, Ramon, you know, you know, wasn't happy that he wasn't able to communicate with him, you know, and that uh, Hanson just took off on him. And uh, so the ring bit, uh, uh, and now they're, they're a team. I mean, uh, with him relaxing in the race, uh, uh, it, it's great. Ramon is so excited that uh, he can place him where he wants him now, and, and uh, it's going to be so important. The, uh, the beginning of the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, Ramon's going to get to decide if it's a fast pace, uh, he'll, he'll wait, and if it's a slow pace, he'll go for it. So it's nice to have that option. So that's two changes, the bit and, and the, uh, the blinkers. The other thing was uh, um, he was a little bit too pushy in the post-parade. He was uh, too geared up in the post-parade, so Mike used a little cord to uh, take the place of the tie chain uh, in the post-parade and take it off in the gate, and, and that helped. And then I think maybe one of the biggest things is he he really gets a little upset uh, if he doesn't get to go to the track. So uh, and on race days he wasn't going. So he took him to the track in the morning and and let him go gallop about three quarters of a mile. And uh, then he's able to come back and he takes him, uh, puts him in a, a sand sand pit, and he rolls around on his back and eats and takes a bath and then he likes to sleep for four hours. So that's his routine and he's. Uh, pretty happy if he gets to do his normal routine and i think that's what we need to do on race day well i've I've read you know a lot of books about some of some of the greatest horses and a lot of them were sleepers to save to save their energy well uh, speaking of energy you you seem to bring a a lot of energy to the game it's exciting you know i always say that all of us need to be uh, ambassadors to the sport uh jenny reese called me she said hey john i got something coming up with dr kendall hansen you got to check it out um how did you get involved in doing the Courier Journal blog, and, and how do you feel about it? Oh, I, I didn't know what I was getting into, and, and, and the other thing that surprised me was that anybody read it. Uh, I, I kind of, I really wanted to do the thing with coloring the tail, and and I should have, if I wouldn't have had the blog, I probably would have got away with it. But uh, <laughs> you just showed up. <laughs> yeah, since there, people started reading, my gosh, I got pounded on that, and. And I have to agree, Hanson is just gorgeous the way he is, and uh, there's no reason to touch anything. But uh, I was trying to get some more kids uh, interested in the sport and, and uh, 
you know, there's some classrooms around the country that actually play as races in front of the kids, and they, they've all sent in uh, art projects for them to hang up, and uh, it's it's fun. And uh, I thought, uh, who's got a white horse? I mean, I can't remember a white horse that's been this good where you could play around with the color, and because uh, all the horses with dark tails, you can't do much with those unless you bleach them first, I guess. Right, right. Um, just to, to update some of our listeners, uh, Dr. Hansen was considering, by using his fan base of the horse, people either voting on matching the, the mane and tail to, to the silks or to the saddle towel. Obviously, the officials in New York uh, didn't feel that that, uh, that was going to happen. But I understand there's some states that are saying, hey, we don't have a problem with it, but I'll tell you what, since uh, you're getting attention for this, why don't we give some attention to uh one of your favorite charities, and that would be Horse Rescue. I know you're a big proponent of New Vocations, and Illinois is backing you on that. Yeah, they had a great idea. If, uh, I think maybe one of the issues uh, New York had was, well, if I did that, obviously my horse is going to get extra attention, and the other uh, owners and trainers uh, may not like that, and then, then a lot of people might be asking to do this. But what's, what's wrong with that if, uh, if there's a certain set amounts to give to horse racing charities or even uh, disabled jockey funds, uh, any kind of horse racing charity. And then then, uh, post-parade, you know, say, like I use the example that uh, uh, Big Red Secretariat, you know, if he was in a post-parade and had a red tail that day, you know, they just say the Big Red's, you know, sporting extra red today for, you know, disabled jockeys or something. And, you know, RCL Flues got got yellow today, you know, for... uh, a retired racehorse charity, and you know, just bring some attention to it in the post parades, and just have some fun with the color. And, and uh, I don't know; it just seemed like the thing to do at a time. It, uh, I'm kind of impulsive. I don't know if I'm so excited about it now, but uh, but why not? <laughs> well, you're you're good for the game, and and the bottom line is uh, what I'm reading about your forward thinking is if this just brings attention to racing. It's great. We need it. You know what? What are we hurting? And if, especially if it'll bring some new fans, because there's way too many guys at the racetrack that look like me. We need to get uh, you know newer and younger fans ex- excited about the sport. And you know, all it takes a lot of times is getting them out there to a live racetrack, and they find out how, what a great game uh, we really have. Uh, and I, I think you've done you've done a great job in the, in that direction, and still are. Now, I have a question for you because I people have asked me, especially when they found out I was going to have the chance to speak to you tonight. They're saying, look, Hanson's got more than enough money to get into the Kentucky Derby. Why wouldn't, uh, you know, Dr. Hanson and Mike Maker make the decision to just give him more of a rest, come back in the spiral stakes, a race that was used to launch Animal Kingdom into the Kentucky Derby, rather than traveling all the way back to New York uh, to try probably the t- his toughest field to date? How would you answer that? Yeah, it's a it, it's a time thing, and handicappers know this too. There's there's certain intervals between races where it increases your percentage to win, and then you've got Mike Maker's training patterns and so forth. Uh, you know, after we we won the Kentucky Cup at Turfway, we had we didn't know if we were going to get in the uh, Breeders' Cup or not. Uh, they gave us some direction that we likely would, but we had a six week wait. Um, from then to the Breeders' Cup, and it, and it was really kind of exhausting and tiring to make sure we kept him sharp that six weeks, and and Mike was ready to go after four weeks. It just seemed like the right timing, and with the timing of the the wood, it's uh, 
five weeks uh, from the Gotham to the Wood and then four weeks to the Derby. It just seems like the per- perfect hit, and this is Mike's argument. Uh, personally, um, I'd really, gosh, you know, there'd be no brainer. If, it was, if they were both the same weekend and it was the difference between a $500,000 and a million-dollar purse, I don't care about the money. I'm staying here. Right, because right. this this is where I want to win, and uh, but it's uh, it's I think we're going to do everybody a better service, the horse and horse racing. If we can uh, win the Kentucky Derby, and that's what it's all about. That's what everybody dreams about when they breed horses and and own them. And uh, uh, when I'm not sure what to do, I just stay out of the way and let tell, let Mike tell me what to do. <laughs> He's done uh, a pretty good job so far. far. Well, before I let let you go, Doctor Hansen, uh, you know you're. You, you're, you know, kind of a Cincinnati area-based guy, and you're going to do uh, something very nice for the public uh, tomorrow night. If any of our listeners are in the Cincinnati area, I want to give you a heads up. Uh, Dr. Hanson, tell them what's going to happen over at Turfway Park tomorrow night. Uh, a little bit after 8 o'clock between the 6th and 7th race. Uh, since he's at Turfway Park now, we're going to walk him over and let his fans uh, uh, see him come over. We'll do a little schooling in the paddock uh, so people can... Uh, See what the big boy looks like. Uh, he's just gorgeous, and uh, I've got some of my nurses are going to be selling uh, the the shirts that that I wore in New York. There, the uh, the Great White Hope the blue shirts, and uh, we got about eighty of those to sell. But they're also uh, online at uh, OverlayApparel.com. Right, I wanted to get that out. So, uh, any of the listeners out there, OverlayApparel.com. It's a very cool shirt. A kind of an image of Hanson, and, and he's the, the great white hope. And I think it might have the date of the Derby on the bottom. I could be wrong. Yeah, and I've got to get up the nerve. I, you know, there's a can't remember the website, but they actually sell they sell tail extensions for horses. Do you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. They sell different colored tail extensions. So I don't know. Maybe he'll come over with a little clip on or something. Who knows? Yeah, there, there's nobody from the New York Racing Association to stop you tomorrow night. That's for sure. Well, yeah. Dr. Kendall Hansen, thanks so much for uh, for spending the time with us. And believe me, uh, all the people, uh, certainly in the Cincinnati area, are in your corner. But I know that you've got you've got fans uh, worldwide. And I wish you the best of luck. And, and thanks for being such a great ambassador of the sport. Thanks, John. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Dr. Kendall Hansen. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to be back with uh, an author, uh, a handicapper, a, a television host, and a guy that once wrote for Hustler Magazine, the one, the only, Lenny Shulman. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, uh, a very engaging individual I've become friends with over the last few years. His name is Lenny Shulman. He's an Emmy Award-winning writer. He's worked in newspaper, magazine, TV, film. Uh, for 13 years, he's been the features editor of the Blood Horse magazine. Uh, he w- wrote uh, one of my favorite books that somebody stole from me called Ride of Their Lives, uh, which was a very interesting look into the individual life of the, the, the top jockeys uh, that, that we watch and, and have watched. Um, he's also the writer and producer of And They're Off, a bi-monthly uh, video on, on Blood Horse, and uh, you can also uh, see him uh, with uh, Steve uh, Haskin on, on the Blood Horse uh, website, uh, very entertaining. He, he's worked for Fox Sports, NFL pregame show, and uh, mo- most people don't know that this guy not only won an Emmy for Fox, but he won a Razzie for Dice Rules. With us, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Lenny Shulman. You, you know, John, it occurs to me uh, listening to you that I can't keep a job. You know, it's, it's <laughs> terrible. No, no, no. You're just like a good baseball player. Different teams want you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, I'm getting to be Johnny Damon, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I, I watched, uh, I watched your, uh, your piece with, with, with Steve, uh, on, on bloodhorse.com last night. And, uh, do, do you dye that goatee or is that natural? <laughs> no, no, no. I dye my hair. The goatee is completely natural. Oh, okay. Oh, you have hair. Okay. I wasn't sure if you did that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good on TV. I'm much more in person. Now, I want to know, if I buy a turban and send it down to Lexington, will you wear it on next week's show? Uh, our Karnak routine, maybe, sure. Eggs, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. We get you a little crystal ball, and you can look in it and t- tell Steve what you see. I mean, I mean that, that's a hearty goatee there, Lenny. Well, we'll have to teach uh, Steve how to do the Ed McMahon impersonation, though. <laughs> well, um my my question is with the, with this background you, you've had with uh, you know, everything from Hustler magazine and Andrew Dice Clay and Fox Sports on NFL. How do you finally land in Lexington, Kentucky, working with the Blood Horse? Well, after my career in Los Angeles, I had to get as far away from as many people as I possibly could, and uh, and, and so I, I picked. Uh, now I, I'm one of those usual stories whose uh, father took him to the track when I was a kid. You know, at the at Belmont in New York, and uh, probably took me out of school to do it, which made it even more special. And uh, we had a, a harness track right to about five minutes from my house where I grew up, uh, Roosevelt Raceway, one of the great harness tracks of all time. So I, I pretty much lived there. And, um, you know, it occurred to me after the uh, L.A. career that, uh, you know, maybe I could go back to a farm life and uh, get back into horses, and one thing led to another. And uh, I was really glad the, the Blood Horse had an opening. So did you just kind of apply and show them your writing and obviously your credentials with some of the awards you, you had won? 
Yeah, it wasn't so much that. I contacted them, and they really didn't have anything, and so I went out to Santa Anita to cover a conference. Uh, it, was a, it was a statewide conference that they used to have annually out there, so I just took it uh, on myself, on my own initiative, to, to go out there and, uh, you know, went back and just wrote a piece up on it and uh, sent it in, and uh, they very much, you know, liked the piece, and, and actually I uh, started doing freelance work for them in California because of that. Now, um, your appearance with Steve Haskin on uh, and they're off. I mean, is this uh, is this a grumpier old man? Is this the odd couple? <laughs> what do you guys base it on? We we thought it was the Sunshine Boys, actually. You know? Okay, I knew it was one of those. I just couldn't figure out which one. Yeah, I know. It could be a little rough visually looking at the two of us, but, uh, you know, other than that, we have a, we have a lot of fun. You, you know, John, you know, the main thing being just to, to try to have some fun. You know, I think people can get the, the information, the figures in a million different places, but, you know, just to try to have some fun with it and personalize it a little bit and, and add that, uh, edge to it. I, I think that's what we set out to do and, you know, still get across some, some stuff like my little rant about uh, Kentucky politics and, and the one that you just watched. But, um, you know, I think the humor is really the most important, the thing that we like the most, you know. And like you said, when Kendall came on, I mean, he was funny and had some good lines. And then we, we try to do not not the serious interview, but, but you know, maybe get to know the guy a little bit and have some fun where we can. Well, you, you, you certainly, if that's your goal, you've achieved it because I really enjoy, you know, watching you and Steve. I get a lot of information from it, but I like the fact that part of it's a comedy skit. Yeah, well, Steve's the information part for sure. You know, he's got a, an encyclopedia. I know you've had him on the show, and he's, he's an encyclopedia. He, he's absolutely incredible in ways that the rest of us can only marvel at. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think, could you buy him a cup of coffee before the show or something? <laughs> uh, you know, he's in New Jersey. He's awful hard to reach, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's his style. It's a, it's, a, it's a slow, deliberate delivery. Well, <clears throat> listen, here's what we're going to do. Hopefully we'll have some time when we're done handicapping to do some more talking. But you, obviously you work in racing, you look at these horses, I've forced you to look at them. It's the time of the year where everybody's getting excited about the Derby. We've got four pretty interesting races. A lot of good uh, racing, that, absolutely. That, that could, could affect the uh, the field for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the, the one that I think may be the widest open this week is the uh, San Felipe out of Santa Anita. It's, it's a grade two. It carries a $300,000 purse. And this race is just wide, wide open. I'm just wondering, did, well, what, what came to the top for you looking at this tough field? Yeah, I'm going to, uh, I know people kind of looked at Creative Cause's last race, and some people were, were doubting him a little. I, I just think it was the perfect comeback race for him. I know he didn't win it. It was way too short for him, but he was running like a banshee at the end. He galloped out past these other horses. You know, he's got the back class. He ran a bang-up race in the juvenile back at Churchill and won the Norfolk for fun. This is a classy horse. And I, I people who, yeah, he changed leads when he shouldn't have. You know, these the thing is, John, these horses are babies. They're still green, and that's what you have to find out about them. Uh, every, every time the jock uh, showed him the whip, he, he kind of ducked out and went back on his left lead. But, uh, again, it was a comeback race. It wasn't he didn't want to go to seven eighths. He's much better at this distance. And I just, I just think he's the best horse in the race. 
Well, yeah, he, he's certainly one of the ones I can't throw out. Uh, the horse in here, uh, you know, and, and you, you're saying that, the same thing with this uh, li- liaison, Bob yeah. Baffert. You know, I think if, if you can throw that last race out, you know, this, sure. this horse, you know, Baffert, he's good after uh, a bad race. He can bring a horse back. But a horse I saw run uh, recently that's going to come in eligible for non-winners of two is this Bodie Meister. And I noticed the Bayerano, who probably could have had the call on liaison, is picking up Bodie Meister, who went a mile and recorded a 101 buyer. You know, you don't name horses after your kids unless you think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, you definitely got the name angle going on that one. Uh, actually, it's Zayat who owns the horse, so he named it after Baffert's kid. But uh, the, yes, he could be brilliant. No question about it. We don't know how brilliant he could be. Yeah, the last race was it was absolutely incredible. But you know, he wants the lead. He's got a horse drawn right uh, next to him on his outside, who's going to want the lead from the looks of it. You know, there's some other speed in here. You know, maybe he's good enough where he just outruns them all. You know, Santa Anita does is, is favoring, uh, you know, is playing fast this season. But uh, he, he is going to be tested there, and I just think that leaves creative cause again, you know, in the perfect spot. And I also like the other uh, Mike Harrington horse here a little bit, Empire Way, uh, who ran a good second in the, uh, in the Robert Lewis. And uh, it's kind of funny that... Uh, this isn't a big stable, but they're going to end up running against each other. They're, they're uncoupled uh, here, but um, so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting horse. Liaison, absolutely. I mean, you, you you know, this horse has shown in the past that he's serious, but uh, I just think it's creative cause here. Well, I, again, I'll, I'll co-sign your uh, <laughs> your kudos to Empire Way, and people need to know that that this uh, Colt's uh, a full brother to Royal Delta, last year's champion, and that the Robert B. Lewis was uh, this Colt's first start on the dirt, you know, and yeah. and still yeah. ran a game, a game second in a grade two. So he's, he's worth taking a look at. Well, we've named everybody but Rousing Sermon, <laughs> Hollendorf for the horse that they can't be thrown out. All I can say is if, if you're betting this race, have fun, folks, because it's, it's, it's a pretty wide open race. And even if you, you do want to key Lenny's horse, Creative Cause, on top, you've got plenty to put on underneath. Um, let's go from Santa Anita to Tampa Bay, where they're kind of zeroing in uh, on on a couple other horses uh, in here. Again, this is uh, we're going to mile on the sixteenth at Tampa Bay Derby. It's a Grade Two, three hundred fifty thousand up for grabs. Uh, kind of interesting here. You've got uh, you know Pat Burns got Take Charge Lady, uh, Battle Hardened looks like it could be awful salty, and then you've got the all these top horses that've already had a trip over the track and the Sam Davis. Who comes to the top for you, Lenny? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by talking about Spring Hill Farm. You talk about the name angle, John. I mean, here's a horse that's named after Edward Evans' uh, farm in Virginia. Uh, Evans bred the horse before his death. Um, so, so this horse was named for a reason also here. And he's uh, undefeated and unheaded in, in his two starts. So, uh, you know, I think it starts there. I will try to beat him, though. Uh, be- because of the fact that Cajun Charlie to his outside seems to want to go, uh, tell all you know to the inside once there's going to be a lot of speed here. So just from a betting standpoint, I'll, I'll take a stand against him and go to Battle Harden, who you mentioned, uh, won the Sam F. Davis over over the layout here and also at the same distance. So uh, I know the Davis winner sometimes doesn't run that good coming back in this race, but uh, you know this horse looks like he's got some upside. 
Well, uh, the horse that uh, I'm going to put in there, I mean, I don't know how many horses Julian Le Peru can ride in the Derby, but <laughs> <laughs> if he wins this race, he will have won three Derby preps on three different horses. So uh, I, I did back this horse the last time it ran, and it went off at 5-1. to one. I felt pretty good about that. Uh, Eddie Canale is a pretty sharp guy. Has had a trip over the track. Uh, and, you know, so it's one for one at Tampa. It's one at a mile and a 16th. Julian's just in a zone right now. So I'm really kind of looking at, at, at Battle Hardened and, and, and Take Charge Indy. I think it's yeah. interesting that uh, Calvin Burrell's sticking around to ride that horse. But either way, it's going to make for a very, very interesting uh, Tampa Bay Derby uh, that that'll be on Saturday. So from uh, here, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to go down to Gulfstream Park, and we're going to uh, play a Saturday race and a Sunday race, and that would be the Swale and the Palm Beach. Again, we're looking at the three-year-old Colts. I'm with Lenny Shulman from the Blood Horse. We'll be right back on Winning Ponies. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Brought to you by Whitetail's Extreme. This week we'll have Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail himself, Gary Smith, editor of Hunting Handgun Magazine, Doug Koenig, who's a competitive shooter, and Tom McIntyre with Field and Tree Magazine when we talk about hunting with handguns. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with Lenny Shulman from the Blood Horse, uh, um, a renaissance man, an award winner, a guy that's won a Razzie and an Emmy, a guy that's been on Fox Sports, uh, NFL, a guy that uh, worked with Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, before we get handicapping on the, uh, the swale stakes, what was it like working with Andrew Dice Clay? It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had uh, an awful lot of uh, trips to Las Vegas for shows and, uh, you know, I actually uh, just saw people and met people who I never would have, uh, you know, in my life. It was just a big thrill, a lot of fun. Now, do you stay in touch with them? Uh, not so much uh, lately, but, uh, yeah, we, we have mutual friends who keep us, keep us posted. All right. Well, listen, we're going to move on right now uh, to the grade three swale stakes. This race a little interesting uh, in the in the rhythm of things for the Derby in that it's it's only at seven furlongs, which in itself 
is a unique distance. So the question is, are you going to have horses that are using this as a prep race to, to, to launch them to another uh, pre-derby prep? Uh, or are these horses that uh, some of them might just turn out to, to be sprinters? Uh, once again, uh, brings together kind of an interesting field. I've whittled it down to three horses, but I'm not going to tell any showman who they are because <laughs> I, I want to put his feet to the fire first. Well, this is, this is another one of those races where, where one horse is the key, and I think that horse is ever so lucky. Uh, you know, hasn't run since the uh, Kentucky Jockey Club back in November where he ran a very good second to a horse named Gemologist who's a very well-thought-of horse. So uh, Jonathan Shepard, the trainer, bringing him back slowly, had a little bit of a training setback in February, missed the race that he was supposed to make then, but, uh, you know, went pretty good the other day, 58-4 and four for a five-furlong workout. I think this is the horse that if he's right and he's ready, uh, you know, th- this is the one. Having said that, uh, I-, I will uh, go with the Hamian Squall uh, for, for, for price reasons. Very impressive maiden winner. And I'm going to go with the relatively fresh face here. Uh, coming off a tremendous uh, maiden race over the track. Uh, going to love the extra furlong. Why not? Uh, I, I don't blame you. Well, ever so lucky, you know, again, I have so much respect for Jonathan Shepard, but again, this horse did miss some of the rhythm in, it, in its training, and uh, I'm, I'm wondering if this at seven furlongs might be a wind-up race. Uh, and I, I'm moving over to Ian Wilkes, Motor City. You know, you look at this horse when he started out running back down in the, the, the uh, pea patch at Ellis Park, <laughs> just had, you know, a world of speed. Calvin Burrell, supposedly, the word was on the backstretch, this was his derby horse. Then it, it looks like intentionally they started taking this horse back. They took uh-huh. him back in the Arlington-Washington uh, futurity. He made a huge run from, from dead last and ran third. Uh, the Breeders' futurity, I don't know if he just didn't like the surface. He couldn't catch Doolahan, mind the bird's half-brother. But then he comes right back at a little track by the name of Churchill Downs, going a mile, and wins the grade three Iroquois. Uh, it just looks to me like, like Ian Wilkes has kind of done a masterful job. You know that at seven furlongs, this horse is going to have some speed to run at. And, uh, I, I think, I think he may be the, the, the horse in here. And another horse I think that can't be dismissed, and I don't handicap with odds, so I don't know what they are, is on the outside, Good Morning Diva. Uh, you know, you, you gotta like horses for courses, and you gotta like horses that like certain distances. Good Morning Diva, a seven furlong winner. At Gulfstream Park, so those those are the, those are the two I'm looking at, and again, I'm thinking maybe maybe I'll get a price on on, on that that bottom horse. Um, let's go now uh, to Sunday at Gulfstream, and it's the Grade Three Palm Beach. Now these three year olds are going to get a chance to try their uh, feet on the turf, but uh, that's something that the horses have done in recent years uh, on the Derby Trail. Lenny, who'd you see in here outside at? Doolahan seems to be the one that comes at the top. Well, Doolahan certainly got the back class, but if, uh, if they let Barry Irwin draw this race himself, I don't think he could have drawn it any better for himself. He's got how great drawn on the inside here, loves to run on the lead. Not one of these other five in here is anywhere near a horse that likes to be anywhere near the front. This horse dictates the entire race. I don't honestly see how he loses, but... Uh, if I had to hook him up in an exact, I would go with Col- Colport, 
who uh, ran a nice uh, race in the Danube Beach, actually uh, ran real well at Keeneland last uh, October, uh, was well thought of, you know, hasn't turned out yet, but uh, I like Coldport here for Wayne Catalano, uh, but, but I don't see how, how, how great gets beat. No, I mean, how, how great for those listening, Drew the Rail has all the speed in the world, and again, horses for courses. The horses race twice on the Gulfstream Park turf, both of them wire-to-wire wins. Uh, looks like Johnny V is going to get them out back. Edgar Prado rode it the last time. And, quite frankly, Doolahan's probably pretty safe with graded earnings. So I'm just wondering if Dale Romans, uh, you know, is, you know, I'm not saying he's going to give him one, but this horse doesn't have to win this race to get in the Derby and could use it as a great springboard to move on to another race. Yeah, I think they did the same thing, of course, with uh, Patio Prado a few years ago where they moved him back and forth from the turf to uh, to the dirt, maybe to keep him fresh. And I, I agree with you. I think Doolahan's got the back class here, but I, I don't think he's a bet in, in this situation whatsoever. He'll probably, I, I don't know who goes off the favorite, but, uh, you know, if you can get any kind of price on how great, I, I, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not only, you know, he, he's, He's young yet, but but he's going to like the distance. And you know, none of these other horses likes to run you know within ten lengths of the lead. So it, it, it's just a perfect setup here. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Patio Prado won this race for Romans back in two thousand and ten. But uh, yeah, I, I I think he he's looking at the first Saturday of May. By the way, Doolahan, correct me if I'm wrong, is a half brother to Mind That Bird, a horse that won a big race on the first Saturday in May. Is he? I'm not sure. Yeah, his dam is mining my own, but I can't remember if that was uh, mine that bird's dam or not. I, I'm pretty sure it is, and also I'm, uh, that Romans has gone on record that says no matter what happens here, uh, the bluegrass stakes is next. And uh, we know that uh, this horse likes Keeneland because it won the Grade One Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland. So um, I'm kind of seeing a pattern here with with, with Romans coming into coming into this race. Well, True enough, that, you like know. I'm I up against it, the clock here, and okay. uh, I w- wish I had a whole other hour to talk with Lenny Shulman. Lenny, uh, I truly enjoyed uh, having you on Winning Ponies uh, t- tonight, and I, I sure hope it won't be the last time. Uh, my pleasure, John. Well, folks, uh, don't forget, you can see Lenny on uh, bloodhorse.com. And, again, uh, check it out. See if he will actually be bold enough to wear the turban I'm sending down to Lexington <laughs> this week <laughs> on his next edition of the show. I'm going to color my head. head. Uh, Kendall Hansen sending something down for me. So. Oh, really? So you can wear his shirt and my hat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Lenny. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that pretty much brings to the close another Great show here on winningponies.com. I have to thank my guests so much. Uh, you just heard uh, uh, the effervescent and entertaining Lenny Shulman and, of course, uh, Dr. Kendall Hansen, who's just a fantastic uh, ambassador of the sport. Uh, a lot of people are going to be rooting for Hanson. Again, if you're in the greater Cincinnati area tomorrow, uh, you can see him between, I believe he said, the 6th and 7th races uh, over over at Turfway. And then he's going to be going uh, down to the training center near Louisville with Mike Maker, who's done such a great job. So thanks to both of the guests this evening. That pretty much wraps it up. Uh, we hope we uh, put you guys on some winners uh, with Winning Ponies. Don't forget, log on to Winning Ponies. they got great handicapping products and services that will help put you in that line to cash your tickets. So from high atop the press box, overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, 
not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.